Friends, let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Tonight, we are going to look at some words of Jesus as he ascended and went into heaven, the last words, some of the final words that he spoke to the apostles, the disciples. We're also going to look briefly at what he said about his return as he was leaving and ascending. He had a message for them and some things. He had a plan. He wanted them to do something, so he gave them his final words. But then also earlier, um, the, the night before his uh, arrest and crucifixion, he shared with them some words on his return and his imminent return and his promise of his return. We're going to look at two of those things and, um, and then see what it might mean for our faith, where we're at in our walk, what it might mean for those of you who have yet to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we could come tonight and, and praise you. We pray, Father, that you were glorified. Lord, that as we lift you up and, and we fellowship together in your word, that you would open our eyes to your word, that we'd understand, Lord, that we might see something new, that we might hear from you tonight, just as the disciples heard from you as you ascended into heaven, Lord, we want to hear from you each and every time we come. So we pray, Father, that we ourselves would be out of the way and that we would hear from you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So those of some of you know that there was a pretty important football game last Sunday. <laughs> and that there's a pretty important football game Sunday after tomorrow. And uh, the Broncos, of course, were playing. And they, they get to play in the Super Bowl. It's, it's, it's glorious when you're a Bronco fan. But one of the issues we had this year, and excuse me if you're not a football fan, if you're not a Bronco fan, but I'm gonna get, I'll make my point, all right? Just bear with me. If you're a receiver, okay, you have one job. That is to catch the football. Now, you can't catch the football if you don't keep your eye on the ball. And if you watch football and you see the instant replay, which is so incredible, and you really pay attention, you can see that most of the receivers that don't catch the ball will go something like this. because they didn't keep their eye on the ball. Now, there's a lot of other things the receivers have to do, okay? You can be fast. You can know football. You can know your plays. You can know where you're supposed to be. You can get open, okay? That's a lot of different things that they got to worry about and keep themselves in shape and all this stuff. But bottom line, if they can't catch the ball and they don't keep their eye on the ball, they won't be playing. So in life, there are some pretty important things for us to do. 
in our walk with the Lord. There's, there's, some, there's, there's a thing here that, that Jesus is going to ask of the disciples to do that's going to bring something into their lives that's, that's, that's going to make such a huge difference that should be a focal point that they, they need to keep their eye on that. And there's a lot of things we can do as Christians. There's a lot of things we can do well, and there's a lot of things we can mess up, a lot of things we can do in our life, a lot of things we can be. But if we want to really get back to a place where we're, where we're narrowing down our biggest, most report, important responsibility, then we need to see what that responsibility is and keep our eye on that ball. Keep our eye on that ball. In Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 1, Luke here writes, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, Luke here is referring to the Gospel of Luke. We know that Luke wrote um, the Gospel of Luke and also uh, all of Acts. In Luke chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it real quickly. Uh, Luke says this, Inasmuch as I have taken in hand to set in order a narrative or a story of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them up to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, O most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things which were instructed. Now look here. And, and this is how we know that Luke uh, is the author of Acts because, again, he writes to Theophilus and he makes, he makes uh, reference to his, his former writing of the uh, birth and the life and the death of resurrection, uh, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And at the end of Luke's uh, gospel, he also gives us an account of the ascension. And here again, he's going to give us another account of some things that happened as Jesus, just before Jesus went uh, and ascended to heaven. And we know that, that Matthew and Mark's gospel were probably written, that Luke probably uh, had opportunity to read, even though he wasn't an eyewitness, he was not an apostle. But he spent time, and he spent time in the gospel of Matthew, I'm sure, in the gospel of Mark. And he was able to put together these things. Paul called um, Luke the beloved physician in in. Uh, Colossians. And so we know that he was a doctor. He could have been very meticulous. God could have set Luke aside specifically to look at these eyewitnesses' account, to put them together, and to give us his account. And then now here again in the book of Acts. Now we know that in the book of Acts um, that Luke actually joined Paul on his second, third, and fourth missionary journey. He was with them because at some point in Acts, Luke starts saying, we we did this and we went here and the Spirit told us, whereas before in Acts, um, it was they. Uh, and so we know that Luke is a very important uh, writer of scriptures. And we know 
that, and he says that, hey, I have an account from eyewitnesses that Jesus was seen by his apostles alive after death. Infallible proofs. Look at verse, look at verse three. To whom he, to whom the apostles, he, Jesus, also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Luke says infallible proofs, undeniable, irrefutable proofs that the, that the apostles saw Jesus after his death for 40 days. Paul tells us in, um, 1 Corinthians, that Jesus was seen by over 500 people at one time, let alone the disciples. Look at verse 4. And being assembled together with them. So, so here now we start Jesus' uh, commentary to his disciples. He says, now being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus' final instructions to his disciples about what they needed to do as he was going to leave this earth and not see them again on the earth. Some final instructions. Wait in Jerusalem. The Father, God, the Father, wants to give you his promise, something that you need. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Final words, final instructions of authority in our lives. What do they mean? To us. It might depend who it's from, and it might depend at what time they're saying it, right? If mom and dad, on the first time they're going to leave you at home by yourself, give you these final words as they leave don't burn down the house. <laughs> now, the first thing you're going to think of, and I might think of, is they don't let me play with matches when they're around. They're going to be gone. I get to play with matches. Now, if you were obeying their authority, then obviously you wouldn't play with those matches. Now, imagine this context of someone in authority in your life giving you some final words, mom and dad on their deathbed. Mom and dad on their deathbed. I want you to love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want you to love your family even better than I did. I want you to hold on to Jesus. I want you to be all that he made you to be. Those are powerful 
meaningful words of authority into your life. And in that context, from the people who even gave you life on this earth. Jesus said, I want you to wait. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. Look at verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the, the kingdom to Israel? So the disciples, even at this point, remember they're still flesh. They still don't have it all lined up yet. And they're asking something where, where Jesus here is trying to speak to them about the promise of the Father the giving of the Holy Spirit, and they're still thinking about an earthly kingdom. They're still thinking about we want our own sovereignty in Jerusalem from the Romans and the tyranny of the Romans, and we want you to be king. Are you going to be king now, and are you going to rule? And so you see they're still thinking earthly. They're still thinking earthly, how easy it is to do, to get caught up in an earthly or political view of the world. When we're supposed to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. Through the eye, through 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 someone who, who wants to who, through God who wants to work in our life and use us in, in use our lives for something far beyond the political landscape. Far beyond the financial landscape. Far beyond success in this life. And yet, their minds were still there. They were still thinking about him as an earthly king. Notice in verse 7, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. It is not for you to know who will be the next president, when the stock market will crash again, when the housing market bubble will burst again. Saying it's not, I don't, I don't want you worrying about the earthly kingdom. And he brings them right back to a higher plane, a higher reason for living, the kingdom of God. Look at verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he brings them and refocuses them right back to this higher power the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in their lives to do exactly what he created them to do, and that was to be witnesses for him. Final words, final instructions. How important are they to you, to me? Matthew uh, 
said this in some of Jesus' final words to the disciples before he ascended. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Matthew 28, 19 and, and 20. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Luke recounts it this way in his gospel. This is the account, remember, that we're reading in Acts where, he's, where he reiterates. He kind of starts from, the, uh, uh, from where he left off. But in, in uh, Luke 24 and 46, he says this. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and, re- and rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, my disciples. Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus' instruction, wait for the power of to be all I want you to be in this world. I'm not just leaving. I have a plan for you, and I have something that I want to happen in your life. I believe that if we are going to live our life for Jesus, if we want to be all that God wants us to be, then we need to understand this first and foremost and keep our eyes on this. And that is that God has given his Holy Spirit, God himself, to give us power to be witnesses wherever we find ourselves in life. China, Romania, Hawaii, the United States, Walmart, that we need to know that always. And if he wants to do that in us and through us, then all we need to do is listen for his instruction on how to do that as the disciples were faced with at this point. We must want and desire to receive by faith the blessing of his Holy Spirit, to walk in his Holy Spirit We must be excited and motivated and honor these last words of Jesus to his disciples. Let's look ahead and see what the disciples did next. Verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Okay, now this is no different then if we're outside and we're celebrating something and kids have these balloons and, of course, they they let one of these balloons go that's got helium in it and it goes up. Now, if you're like me, I just wanted to watch that thing until, see, I still see it. I still see it. It's gone in a cloud. No different. The disciples were standing there as this happened. Look at verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, 
Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. We're assuming that these were angels sent by God. Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner, just as you saw him go into heaven. So right, right away here, Jesus has just left and he's, he's already refocusing the disciples on a reality. And that second reality to us that should be mean, meaningful to us is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus left and he left something for us to do and he's coming back. And it says in, says in like manner, in Revelation 1 and 7, it says this, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and if I will see him, even those who pierced him, those who placed him in the cross will see him coming, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. Jesus said this in Mark 13 and 24, speaking of his second coming, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give its light, the stars of heaven will fall, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. These angels stood by them as Jesus left and said, Jesus is coming back. Get refocused now on what he just asked you to do. Look at verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey, about a half a mile, no more. And when they had entered... And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And they all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary uh, and, the, and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. The, the disciples are honoring what Jesus asked them to do. He said, go into Jerusalem and wait. And so they waited. Now Luke, here again, referring to the gospel of Luke at the very end in, in, in chapter 24, he says something about this as well when he's talking about uh, this, the ascension and what the disciples did. And in verse 50, he says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, that's Jesus, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising, praising and blessing God. Amen. They, they continued with great joy. Now, why, why did they have great joy? Because they had great faith. 
in the fact that as Jesus left and he had something for them to do, if they would obey, that indeed that would happen in their lives. And they spend time in prayer and they spend time praising God and they spend time worshiping God. They didn't make this thing called the giving of the Holy Spirit happen in their own power. They simply waited for it. Now we know that from if we were to continue on in the book of Acts in chapter 2, that indeed the giving of the Holy Spirit came and that they were blessed. And many of them spoke in tongues, tongues that they did not normally utter. And they were praising God and singing uh, songs of glory to him in, in other languages. That the power of the Holy Spirit working through them did exactly as Jesus wanted it to, that they were immediately witnesses and some 3,000 came to know the Lord that day because of their obedience. Because he said, go and wait, and they did. The apostles obeyed and honor what Jesus had asked them to do. So how do I know I have God's Spirit working in me? How do I know that I've received God's Holy Spirit? Well, today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, in other words, you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and you've received him, and you've repented of your sin, then you have a relationship with God. And God wants you to be reacting from here on out in your life to this Holy Spirit of God who is God in your life working here and in in your heart and in your mind leading you and guiding you. So if God wants that and you're not sure as a believer, then I would suggest to you that you do the same thing, thing that the apostles did. That you wait on Jesus, looking at Jesus, praying to Jesus asking that this would happen, asking that the next step in your life would happen through the Holy Spirit. You see, many of us come to the Lord and we love the fact that we're going to be saved and now we're saved and then we just go ahead and live our lives the way we want. And I believe if we're going to receive the Holy Spirit and walk according to the Holy Spirit, then we have to want it and we receive it the same way we received salvation and that is by faith. Lord, I believe, just as I believe you died on the cross for my sins, I believe that you want to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And you wait. And you see what God will do. For them, it was obvious. And I can suggest to you that a good evidence in your life, that the Holy Spirit is working in your life and you are walking by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in your life, is that you now love, whereas before you did not. Oh, there are some other things that Paul points to, joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and those things, but the preeminent rule in our life as to whether we have the Holy Spirit working in us is do we love? Do we love? I can remember at one point in my life when I had realized some things 
and I had walked away from God and, and, and I had asked him to come back into my life and to be using me and I was learning and I was growing. And I can remember being in my car in Southern California in front of another car, which was a pickup truck, and there was a lady in the back. And it was a dirty old pickup truck. And she, she was sitting in the back I mean, exposed to the elements. In Southern California, it doesn't get real cold, but it was a little bit cold that evening. She was bundled up. She looked miserable. Just pathetic. My life before Christ probably would have thought some kind of demeaning thing about that woman. But I can remember that night looking at that woman, and my heart just broke. And the reason I remember it so clearly, I can see it, is because as my heart broke, I knew that was God. Through his Holy Spirit, that it changed me. To care about people, to love people. The very thing I had been asking him to do in my life, he did. If we combine the final words of Jesus to go and to wait and to receive the Holy Spirit that you might have power in your life to be his witness. If we combine that with the promise of his coming, the reward of Jesus for doing so in your life, for looking for him, then we have the two basic things that we need. There's lots of other things we can do and be but we can always boil our life down to walking in the Holy Spirit, hearing his Holy Spirit, obeying his Holy Spirit, and looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus speaks these words to his disciples just hours before being arrested, the night before being crucified. John chapter 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I will have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, again, the disciples didn't get all of this, I'm sure, not until later. Jesus is really gone. But remember, he said he's he's going to prepare a place for us. Now, if he's been preparing for 2,000 years and he created this earth in seven days, then that's going to be a pretty crazy place when we get there. Look at verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas, you know because you know me. And because you know me, you know the Father. And in, and in my Father's house there are many mansions, and I am coming back for you. It is promised from Scripture to those who believe in Jesus Christ. To those that set their mind on the things of Christ. Those who have been washed by his shed blood. Those who have received forgiveness of their sin by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross have the promise that God is coming once again. A promise from God that he loves us, that he wants to be with us, that he has even prepared a place for us should always be a heavenly reminder to seek after his spirit, to be filled by his spirit, and to bring as many people as we can with us, witnesses of these things. Now, The question for us, after seeing some of the most important words that Jesus ever spoke as he left the disciples and, and was leaving them and the promise of coming back should be tonight, where does Scripture see us? Where does God see us? Where, if we look in our lives, are we? Now, there are some of us and some of you who are walking according to his spirit and filled with his spirit, and God is using you to your fullest. And you know it. You know it. And then there are some maybe that say, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm filled. And as we said before, then it is simply for you to believe Scripture tonight to know the promises of God, to know that quite obviously if he died on the cross for you, then obviously he wants, he wants to have a relationship with you in a deeper way than maybe what you've experienced in your Christian life up until this point, and that it could be, according to Scripture, that you have not waited or asked or taken serious the work of his Holy Spirit through your life. And that you can do that by faith. Because is it just that simple? Just pray and seek the Lord. Why would anyone make it more complicated? Oh, some people do, and they want to add this and add that and say this and make you question this. God, God, has, God has no reason to want to make this difficult for you, nor his disciples. He simply said, go to Jerusalem and wait, and I'm going to give it to you. And they did. They received it because they waited and they prayed. And so if that's you tonight, know that God wants you to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Maybe tonight you're a Christian and you know these things and you know you are not walking according to his Spirit. But at some point, you had tasted. It can happen. The Bible tells us that we can be continually filled and that we should be continually filled with his Holy Spirit the Bible's clear, believer, we can walk in disobedience, that we can walk outside of his Holy Spirit. Paul reminds us in Galatians, walk in the Spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Because that flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and the two are contrary one to another. And certainly we know this flesh is there. And so the same is true. Wait once again and ask the Lord and repent and say, Lord, would you fill me? I want to keep my eyes on what's important. I want to keep, I want to be waiting for you when you come back and I can't do that outside of your Holy Spirit. I fail every time. I fail every time. Maybe tonight you've come and you've yet to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I can declare to you once again what I know and what I know to be true and what the Bible states and that's God had a plan for your life. And God loves you. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life, to salvation. And if you're here tonight, then chances are God's already been calling you. And he's doing something in your life. And and the word of God, which is not my word, but it's his. It says tonight that you can be saved, that your sins can be forgiven. Because, you see, God had a plan to die for all of our sin that it might be gone, that it might be out of the way, that we might not have to pay the price for our sin. That if we will put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we will be saved. Now tonight, maybe that's the first time you've heard it, probably not. Maybe you've heard it over and over again. I'm not sure how long God will continue to let you know that and know that truth. But tonight, I want to give you the opportunity to come and to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to be saved. And so as we close in prayer and as, and as the worship team comes out and we worship and close in song, we're going to have pastors to the right and to the left. And I'm going to ask you that tonight, if tonight is, if today is the day of your salvation and you know God is calling you, then be obedient to God. And not only will he save you and change your life, he will also fill you with his Holy Spirit that you might be walking in, in the wisdom that we've been talking about. That you might be looking for Jesus. Believers that each of us might be looking for Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love and and your word that reminds us tonight that the work of the cross goes far beyond salvation, that that's the most important and we thank you for it. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you that we're saved, Lord. But you long to fill us. You long to use us. I pray, Father, that that each of us would be open to what you have for us through the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that some tonight would receive your Holy Spirit. Some tonight would come back to your Holy Spirit. Lord, that some tonight that you're calling to salvation would, would obey your calling, would understand how much you love them and, and come forward and receive you and talk to one of our pastors. Lord, do this work. We thank you, and we praise you, and Lord, we love you. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's